Shalom, this is Rabbi Tama Davis Hart, and we are continuing the series on the separation of Christianity from Judaism. This is part two, Judaism and the law. So we begin this week with the book of Mark. Most of the controversy between Yeshua and the other teachers of Judaism at this time was not so much his teaching, but the manner of his teaching. Later rabbis saw nothing controversial in much of Yeshua's wise sayings, even from a Pharisaic viewpoint. The problem lay not in his utterances, but in his way of speaking in his own authority. He did not cite previous authorities nor quote from them to lend authoritative expressions of oral Torah, such as was the manner in his day and is still practiced today. We see that the people in Capernaum were astonished and even commented that he spoke not as a scribe, but as one having authority. That's in Mark 1.22. And to amplify and explain this, quote, to speak in your own authority, unquote, did not mean to speak with force or confidence, but it meant to speak without citing all the precedents and citations of past authorities to speak in the name of, quote, unquote, so-and-so, to establish what you were saying is credible. To the mind of the scribes and Pharisees, this manner of interpretation of scripture, either written or oral, was tantamount to heresy and was viewed as undermining the whole established structure. The stages of this feeling are easily traced in the book of Mark. Citing the first instance given and then the healing of a man in the synagogue in Mark 1.27, we see a progression, for there we see they were even more amazed at his authority. But this authority, as applied to Yeshua, showed no opposition to Torah, as is shown by the healing of the leper sometime later. Here, as prescribed, the leper is sent to the priest to have his health certified and to perform all the ritual acts required. You see, Yeshua did not do away with these things. That's in Mark 1.24. As the reputation of Yeshua grew and the scribes were troubled by it, and when he returned to Capernaum, a new incident occurred. Healing a man sick of the palsy, he said to him, quote, Son, thy sins are forgiven, unquote. This caused the scribes further anxiety. Quote, they reasoned in their hearts, saying, Why doth this man thus speak? He blasphemeth. Who can forgive sins but one, even God? That's in Mark 2, 6 and 7. This was not a hostile attitude, and the reply of Yeshua was not hostile. It's plain and straightforward. He perceived they are questioning his actions, and he justifies it to them. So far as it's been question of authority, or if you will, in today's religious atmosphere, a quote-unquote covering, and the questioners not quote-unquote opponents, at this stage are the scribes. The next incident introduces the Pharisees and is perhaps significant because it addresses a direct question of strict observance of the oral law. Yeshua was eating with publicans and sinners. The scribes and Pharisees remarked upon it, and again Yeshua gives them a reasonable answer, and maybe even one that they accepted as adequate. The passage does not tell us, quote, that they are whole and have no need of a physician, but they are sick, unquote, Mark 2.17. Then a little later, the disciples of Yeshua were not fasting, when those of John the Baptist and of the Pharisees were, and they asked Yeshua to explain. He does so, but the answer contains a new note. This is in Mark 2.19 and 20. Let's read it. And Yeshua said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. 
But the days will come when the kingdom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Let me correct that, say when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, not the kingdom. Obviously, Yeshua is here referring to himself, taking to himself esteem reserved only for past matters or masters. How much more would this have concerned the oral Torah teachers whose whole focus was on the recognized authority of the past? You've got to understand that the oral Torah and God's written Torah, the living Torah, are two different things completely. Soon they found their anxieties confirmed, for it was not long after that the disciples were found picking ears of corn and eating as they passed through a field on the Sabbath. Why, they asked him, do your disciples do on the Sabbath what is not lawful? And Yeshua gave partly a scriptural answer and partly a novel one, but not one that had been addressed by the sages. He said, quote, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath, unquote. Here he is clearly referring to the oral Torah that prescribes so many restrictions on the Sabbath that it's come to be a burden instead of a joy unto the Lord. Even so, he was not alone in his declaration. For in the Talmud, Rabbi Yonatan ben Yosef said, quote, For it, the Shabbat, is holy unto you. That is, it is committed into your hands, not you into its hands. And a similar passage appears in the Mechilta Shabbata, where the saying is also attributed to Rabbi Shimon ben Menasiah. This answer in impugning the oral traditions comes as a climax to a long development decided them to take action. But they determined first to make sure of the correctness of their suspicion that he was adopting an unorthodox attitude toward the oral Torah. So next we see Yeshua in the synagogue and finding there a man with a withered hand. They watched him to see if he would heal this man on the Sabbath. So let me explain that the oral tradition teaches that if a treatment for a sickness or hurt can be held off on the Sabbath until the following day, it should be done. Now, addressing life-threatening situations were never condemned. As it was, Yeshua healed the man and they challenged him. Yeshua responded with a question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or do harm? The Pharisees didn't answer, and Yeshua looked about on them with anger, being grieved at the hardening of their hearts. Ever the case when anyone is concerned only with the letter of the law. But note, none of this in any way implies that God's Torah is repealed. Yeshua is addressing oral Torah, that's man's traditions only, not God's laws. These were never abrogated. Now we see that the Pharisees, not all Pharisees, but those who took counsel with the Herodians, not biological Jews, against him that they might destroy him. In short, he was upsetting the establishment, the order of things, and threatening their authority and hence control of the people, if you like their position and economic status. Though the question here might be slight to the Gentile mind, it went directly to the heart of the Pharisee conception of Torah, more specifically the oral Torah, where they did not admit that there could be a question of relative gravity in a deliberate and unnecessary breaking of its precepts. We even see following this period that Yeshua was left in peace, and he on his side sees deliberately to have avoided disturbing the authorities. Those he healed, he charged much that they should not take him, make him known. 
but this could not be for at some point unmentioned apparently the authorities tried to silence him by first having both his friends and family trying to put him under restraint as mad then the charge that he was performing his miracles to Hasatan or the adversary this prompted his most severe response that and he challenged them and admitted he did not accept their observance of prescriptions to the Torah but challenged them to find fault in his direct observance of God's Torah God's laws and commands he did not observe their man-made traditions but not in one single word did he suggest he rejected God's Torah on the contrary he accused them of nullifying it that's perverting it the other Gospels add many details even confuse the historic development of the picture but they don't substantially alter it we'll follow some of this development in future treatments of this theme what I have so far outlined is but a slightest summary of the process of what has been going on in the past several months between Yeshua and the scribes and Pharisees we don't know what other conversations and discussions took place between him and the other Jewish teachers who followed him uh, followed him about growing more uneasy at his growing popularity but we can see there's been a change of attitude from the time when they questioned him about eating with publican and sinners and when they questioned him about fasting none of his previous actions implied anything explicitly illegal and even the incident with the forgiveness of sins which shocked them could not be reconciled with their ideas because Yeshua had proved his knowledge of the man by his healing of him initially there was nothing in their words that showed anything more than being anxious for information but his later replies increased their discomfort because it showed he looked at the matter from a strictly novel viewpoint and not in the accepted fashion of their traditions and I'm not talking about he looked at it from a Christian point of view Yeshua is a Jew he's a living God he is a Jew and he taught his disciples messianic Judaism not Christianity Shaul or Paul was not converted to a Christian he was a rabbinic Jew who was converted to messianic Judaism understanding the connection between law and grace and not a separation totally negating law for grace next week we'll continue we'll see exactly Yeshua's attitude of the Mosaic law after declaring he had not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it he goes on to interpret it not to do away with it the method he adopts is setting one precept side by side with another to mitigate the rig rigor of the first is the normal method of rabbinic teaching but the rabbis did it impersonally he didn't again the issue of authority shalom